afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Tanya Joy Show, also known as Beauty for Ashes, if you're watching us over on the Blessed News Network. We are so happy to see you here today. Thank you for joining us here on the show. You know that we are constantly about revealing truth, exposing truth, and one of my favorite things is that truth always wins. And it does. It's just, you can't get around it. Luckily, the truth always comes out, and it does always win. We are glad to see you here today. Just a quick note before we get into the show today, please make a note of this for those of you that have been following for a while. Once we get into the new year, 2024, we're actually going to be transitioning and we're going to be doing three shows a week instead of five. So you can find us Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 414 Central every day. You can also find us on the Blessed News Network, Um, but we're pulling back a little bit just because of some change in my schedule and things that are going on here and If you follow me on any of our social medias, you'll start seeing some of these things that are coming up. They're all very, very exciting. You all know we have been living in somewhat of a dystopian nightmare for the last three years, right? I can't even believe it's three years. It's ridiculous. And the name Fauci has become synonymous with all of that. Everything that has happened, he was not new when COVID arrived, just So, you know, in case you didn't know that, in fact, he's got quite a history of destruction when it comes to health, or maybe we should just say death, because that's really more what he's known for. And we're now watching as the world is getting ready to basically induce another lockdown and masking is becoming a new thing. I don't know if you've seen that, but just this week, um, some hospitals locally anyway, they have put these mask mandates back in place. China is seeing this now pneumonia pandemic. And my guest today is here to discuss all of that and more. So stick around today. We're going to be talking with Dr. Michael Schwartz and his new book, Fauci's Fiction. Today is Friday, December 22nd. I'm Tanya Joy, and this is The Tanya Joy Show. Okay, well, we weren't shocked. Now, welcome back to the show. You as well. I'm so excited to have you both on the show. And I know we had such good uh, feedback and reception. General Flynn, what an jo- honor. Joshua, Joshua tracked me down in a big tent of about 4,000 people. How are you? I am doing so great. Hello, everybody. Thank God, I am wonderfully great. Hello. Thank you very much. Because what is prayer i'm just doing you know what i mean and i'm thrilled to be here with the two of you <laughs> me too it's like and that's who these crazies these evil ones it is you said it right good job Perfect. all right the gibson sisters we are so excited to have them on with us on resistance chicks today good morning good morning good morning it's time to run these people that get higher up how sometimes i've thought well, these are glory days and not gloomy days like i love that <laughs> You know, and it, it kind of works. What's awesome about the tour is people like you. Good. I love the applause. That's cool. There we go. Thank Hi, you. Joy. Everybody, welcome. We are so excited. Are you ready to get the show on the road? Let's go. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Schwartz. He's been an entrepreneur since 1993. He owns and operates three medical clinics in both New Jersey and Florida. His company was the first in New Jersey to start conducting COVID-19 testing. And over the course of his career, he has owned and operated many types of very diverse companies. 
Not only has he worked in the medical field, but he's also a former police officer and something fascinating. And we didn't get to talk about this backstage, but I am going to have him talk about this a little bit, is that he's also a stand up comedian. And he's been doing that since his early 20s. And for those of you that know the show, we love all things entertainment in Hollywood. So that's, I think, a fascinating little fun fact about him. He founded uh, the charity Hometown Heroes in 2008, which is credited with distributing over three million dollars in funds to those less fortunate. He also hosts his own podcast, Two Mics Live, three times a week. And we are excited to welcome him on into the studio. So hello, Mike. How are you? Hey, Tanya. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. I totally forgot to mention that before that I thought that was awesome that you're a stand comedian on top of everything else that you do. Um, that's fascinating. So give us a little bit of your background and how did you get to this? And definitely throw in your comedy part because I love that. Uh. That's tough. I mean, I've been, as you mentioned, I've been in business since 1993. I'm a research doctor, first off, just to let your audience know. I'm not a medical doctor, but I do employ medical staff. So I, we work with medical staff all day. I, I've been running around the gamut. I've, I've been around the block. I started comedy back in my uh, early 20s and I took a little hiatus. And then with my charity, believe it or not, I was doing something called The Tonight Show. We kind of stole Jimmy Fallon's Tonight nice. Show. And uh, we would do that for our galas. And I had an agent see me and say, hey, you know, you ever done comedy? I said, ironically, yes. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back at it. So it was nice to, uh, wow. it's a nice break from the seriousness when I can get on stage. That's so fun. That's awesome. And so have you been in research then? I mean, you were a police officer, um, It's yeah. you said, for a little while, right? And so yeah, how did another, you go from that? in? Yeah, another lifetime. But how did you go from that then into research and into medical and all of all of the stuff that now you're doing medicine was funny i started my way into medicine uh with um testing really it's, it's and that's kind of the story of COVID because we started off with working with uh, different laboratories ancillary labs that do something called respiratory pathogen panels a lot of genetic testing things of that nature and that's kind of how I, I, I was the first one to do a COVID test because we had done respiratory pathogen panels in our office eventually we opened up a couple medical practices uh, we did we do some wellness exams for police departments, stuff like that on site. And then we opened a clinic in uh, in Key West, Florida. We opened a clinic in, in Seagirt, New Jersey. And now I have a small one in Tampa. And then we have the travel clinic here and then one in Seagirt. So it was interesting when, when COVID kind of when COVID reared its head, we were losing business. Uh, all of a sudden, all the wellness exams we had planned for the year had started calling me and canceling, saying, you know, this COVID thing is, is coming out of nowhere. What are we going to do? Uh, and as it started, you know, getting worse and worse, people started canceling on me left and right. But um, one of the labs that I work with was one of the first 30 in the nation to get FDA approval to do COVID testing. So uh, I, I, I said, sure, let's 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 do it. I got nothing else to lose. Uh, and uh, the next thing you know, for the same clients that we were losing, were employing us now to do their weekly COVID testing. Wow. So that's fascinating. Let's talk about that, because as we mentioned backstage and I'm you know, I have my thoughts on the testing as well. It's a very controversial topic, right? Um, so share kind of your background and what you think about it and what you've seen. And then we can talk about some of the myths or the discrepancies of, of individuals who are like, why are you like my big thing that I always say is why would you even go get tested? What is the point of even getting tested? So what would your response be and share your, your thoughts on all that? My response to that is that the mass amount of testing that we did was what gave me the ammunition to prove uh, your hypothesis, because without that, you don't have any data. So yeah. it's funny. A lot of people say that. And there's people on our side of the aisle that come back to me and say, I've never tested for COVID. I don't want to do that. So, well, it's funny because, you know, me testing the same cops every single week and thousands of them 
was what was able to give me that data to say, hey, this thing isn't as bad as we thought. COVID is really hard to unpack because there's so many different topics with it, right? It's, you get into like timelines of the virus, the language of a pandemic, because still to this day, and I argue about this in my book, people still don't understand four years in the difference between isolation and quarantine. I mean, and, and that doesn't sound like a big deal, but if you're trying to get through this worldwide pandemic that could kill everybody, at least that's what we were telling you on MSNBC and CNN, you'd yeah. think we'd all get on the same page so we can get over it a lot quicker. So the, the, the book kind of breaks that down. It goes through our perspective of the first day of testing all the way through into the vaccines, uh, but it breaks down what a virus is, the language of a pandemic, how testing really works, because still to this day, like, as I mentioned, four years in, People don't understand the basics. Yeah. So the mass amount of testing that that you mentioned, you know, it really gave me the opportunity to um, to kind of evaluate that and to, to put that in a little bit of perspective. We had 19,000 patients. We did about 44,000, a little over 44,000 tests. Uh, I stopped counting at some point. Um, wow. Out of the 4,000 positives that I had, 90%, 85 to 90% of them were asymptomatic or mild. Now, it depends on how you define mild if you define mild is not needing hospitalization to get another of that, a, a little four out of the 4,000 positives of just four went to the hospital. That was it. And we didn't lose one shit during that time. And there's reasons behind that. People don't understand COVID is not just negative or positive. It's negative or positive with caveats. And those caveats are, are, are very interesting to understand. And once you kind of see it from the 30,000 foot view, it starts to really make sense. Wow. That is okay. Sorry, I've got something going on with Streamyard here. Tanya, there we go. Yes, you can you okay. see me? It the my Streamyard's yeah. acting weird today, so I, I apologize to people if there's a delay. I don't know what's going on, but my internet's been weird all day. Um, so that's fascinating. Yeah, and that makes sense. I was actually a, a market research analyst before I lost my job, um, and so did a lot of research during the early days on unemployment because I was in HR. So we were doing all this sort of research and it was true. It's like, unless you really look at all the data, you can't come up with any sort of, of good answers for it. So after seeing all that, what was that? So they were asymptomatic, but yet they were testing positive. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. And a lot of people, this is what I get frustrated at because, you know, it's hard to do it in a 15 minute or half hour, even an hour long interview. There's so much to unpack. What people assume is that PCR testing doesn't work. And that's not true. That's the furthest thing from the truth. PCR testing is actually the only way to isolate. And to give you a little bit of a backstory, before we started doing COVID testing, when we were doing those respiratory pathogen panels, at that point in time, there were 30 things on our respiratory pathogen panel. Now, thanks to COVID, there are 31 different things we're looking for. Those are viral pathogens, bacterial pathogens, and there's one fungal pathogen. So we practiced really good medicine before this started. And I always would argue with doctors, it is not smart to practice in the 18th century and just guess at what's going on. Doing a rapid flu and now a rapid COVID or a rapid strep really isn't the smartest way to practice medicine. There are 41 million antibiotics written every year. 23 million are completely unnecessary, which is why we practice good medicine. It's why my patients knew what COVID swap were long before the public did, because if you were sick five years ago, we were going to swab you in our office. We were going to send it off to the lab and see what it was. You know, there's, there's seven really? different coronaviruses. Okay. Well, there's seven different coronaviruses on our, on our pathogen panel that we test for. There's, you know, influenza A, influenza B, influenza C, para-influenza. I can go on and on and on. Then there's a whole bunch of bacterial pathogens. You need to know what you're treating. Okay. Mm -hmm. But PCR testing is done logarithmically. The sensitivity on a PCR test isn't, isn't, isn't one, two, three, four, five. It goes, it goes one, then 10 times sensitivity and a hundred, then a thousand, 10,000, hundred thousand million, so on. All the way to level 36. 
So what a lot of people argue is that when the cycle count is so high, you can find anything in the universe. The problem with that hypothesis is that out of my 44,000 tests, the other 40,000 negatives would have all had something positive, and that's just not true. I could also repeat that data on a daily basis. In other words, if I had 100 patients and one tested positive and 99 tested negative, I could then test those same patient population tomorrow. That same one patient would come up positive. The other 99 would come up negative. The, the PCR testing that we use is very reliable. It goes to 36 cycles and people don't understand that. There's a lot of talk on online where people will, will you know, bash PCR testing. Again, I can repeat the data over and over and over to prove that it works very well. In contrast, though, and, and when you get to level 36 on a PCR test, you only need nine copies of a virus to tell me it's in your system and bound. The reason why, and we would look at this with our data, Anybody who came in at a level 27 to 36, in other words, your viral load was so low, you wouldn't have a symptom. That is the norm. And, and you got to remember, too, symptoms are not just observable, but they're sometimes re just reportable or both, right? So if, if I'm looking at a patient and they have a cough, fever, shortness, breath, great, but those aren't the most common symptoms of COVID. The most common symptom of COVID, believe it or not, is a headache. And that has right. to do with hemoglobin uptake issues. So a person might not report that to you thinking they don't have a classic symptom of a cough, the fever, the sniffles, whatever they get with, with a cold or, or a flu yeah. typically. So they're not reporting it to you. So by the time you're explaining to them that they're positive and, they, and they're, they're mad at you thinking it's a false positive saying, I don't have a symptom. You're trying to explain to them that that's the norm. By the time you get to the point in the conversation to let them know that a headache is the most common symptom, they look at you and go, you know, I have been having headaches the last week. So you, you have to understand what the symptomology is of COVID. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to break down. So yes, 90, about 85 to 90% of those 4,000s were asymptomatic. And there's a reason for that. Uh, we were testing people. We have, the, I think, the only ones in the nation that have what's called horizontal data. That's where you test the exact same population every single week. Because, again, we're in police departments, uh, municipalities. We're in assisted livings where they want their population and their patients tested every single week. So every Wednesday, we'd be at the same police department testing the same 100 cops. And mm -hmm. if I had to call them on the following day to, to tell them 10 were positive, but I always had to argue with nine of them because they didn't realize that you know this low viral load could cause basically zero symptoms. The sickest of the sick, Tanya, had a co-infection. As I mentioned, there are three caveats. Viral load is one of them. The second is co-infection. Most of the ones who came back with some kind of a classic symptom had COVID and something else. You got to remember on a sick yeah. patient, we're doing a full swab. We're running all 31 things. So they would come back positive for COVID and something else. And usually it was staph. So, and, and usually it was had, what? Say that again. Usually it was a staph infection, staph aureus, which is a respiratory staph infection. Okay. Most people walk around all the time with a staph infection, never know they had it. But I, I had a patient two years ago who I read about in the book who had COVID, staph, H flu, and RSV all at the same time. Now, of course, I knew when I called him to tell him he was positive, he was going to sound like, you know, you know what? So when I called him, he's, you know, he's hacking and I said, how you feeling? His name was Brian. And uh, he said, oh, I feel horrible. I said, it's because you got four things going on in your system. So we needed to treat the H flu um, yeah. and the staph, which is bacterial. Wow. You know, there's a lot to it. And, and it's so hard to explain this to people who have a very myopic view of what COVID did to them or a family member or, or whatnot. Uh, but it's very different when you have 19,000 patients did this 44,000 times. And by the way, I called every single positive patient for two straight years, recording symptomology. This is how we put this data together. I knew, wow. I know everybody's viral load, co-infection, comorbidity on every single uh, 4,000 positives that I have. And it really paints a different picture of COVID. It, yeah, it would absolutely paint a different picture. So if they, and imagine if 
most, because I don't think this is how most medical places did it, right? I mean, they looked at it, they went to positive for COVID, go home, stay away from everybody, get in your closet and, you know, you're dying. Yeah. Versus like looking and going, okay, you've also got these and let's treat these and then it goes away. I mean, like. Well, that's even if they were open. Most, most doctors I know, a lot of them, and, and I hate to bash other medical practitioners, but a lot of them close their doors. And it's, it's oh, yeah. funny. It's, oh, yeah. it's the same people who didn't practice this, didn't, didn't have any data on it whatsoever. Later on, you know, a year later, they were recommending vaccines. Meanwhile, right. you know, and, and I'll, we can talk about that too. Like my company, I, we personally did not recommend vaccines because we, we thought there was going to be issues with them. To be clear, we did not, not recommend, we, you know, we didn't recommend vaccines for two reasons. One, one is they don't work. Uh, yeah. And two, they didn't need it. You know, you remember my patient population is recovering on on a basic regimen: vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and electrolytes. That's it. Okay, That's and and, and we we didn't lose anybody. Everybody's recovering just fine. Once that fever broke, they were fine. If if they even got a symptom like that, um, so if you had come to me and said, "Do I need this shot?" The answer was a laughable no. You don't need this yeah. shot. Stupid. Um, and and then of course you know once the shots came out, we started seeing you know major issues with them, but. Uh, there, there's, it is, there, there's so many facets of this. We went through this in real time for, you know, almost three years. Uh, you know, you get into the mask, you get into the rapid test. I mean, that's another whole story. People yeah. What is the difference? Yeah. Like share, what is the difference between the rapid test and, and was the rapid test, all these pop-up clinics? Like I had them down the street all over the place. They'd pop up, they'd be there for a few weeks, then they would disappear. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden they'd be back. And they would be lined up with cars. And, you know, the the bad thing is I was looking at that and going, these people are just doing this to make, you know, tons of money because they're getting paid by the government based on how many, how many, uh, you know, testing strips that they're putting through. You might is that think- true? Yes and no. Um, we we so the CARES Act was supposed to pay us on every test that was either uninsured or underinsured. Yeah, I will tell you that out of the thousands of tests I did, we received less than ten thousand dollars from the CARES Act. The government still really? probably owes me a couple hundred thousand dollars, which I'll never get. Uh, they actually cut it off at some point and said, "Stop billing the CARES Act. We're out of money." And we're like, "What? What do we do now? We just did all this work for free." So um, the government really screwed us at the back end of this thing. And I still have to pay my staff and overhead and electric and all that, which is you know through the roof right now. But I still yeah. have to pay all that. And uh, we we really uh, you know bit that one during COVID. The difference between PCR and rapid test. Remember, I mentioned at the highest end of the spectrum on the on the on the CT, it's called a CT value or cycle value. You yeah. only need nine copies of a virus. And in in contrast, a rapid antigen test, you need ten to the sixth to ten to the ninth power of virus. What does all that mean? Instead of nine copies of a virus, I need nine million to nine billion to turn that rapid card blue. Okay, so if it turns blue. You have enough virus in your system to tell me you are definitely positive for something. That's the caveat with something. Yeah, you can can turn positive for any coronavirus, including the common cold. And remember, there's seven we test for. So a a positive on a rapid tells me you have something, but it doesn't it doesn't delineate it scientifically. And then, of course, a negative tells me even less because you you, you need so much virus to to pop that card. So put it in contrast. You know, I had patients in, in Key West who would need a, 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 you know, a COVID test for something. They'd pop back positive. And again, on a PCR test, you are 100% positive. Whether you, and some of those people who were asymptomatic would later develop some symptoms if the signal was uh, waxing or if it was waning, it would just go away. Uh, but those people would then run off to get a rapid test to get a negative just to go back to work or go out that night. So mentally sure. they were okay with it. That, that negative meant nothing. 
uh, they were definitely positive. So, you know, people kind of abuse the system a little bit. And I think when people when people go too much into this and start cherry picking things they want to read, uh, they can they can get, you know, a really distorted picture of what COVID is. And like I said, my 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 job isn't to stick up for PCR testing and the labs we work with. They're not, you know, they're not, it's not my lab. I'm just telling you the validity from a practitioner because my credibility is worth more to me than anything. And so is my staff. So we want to make sure that our patients are well taken care of. And when we see something, we're going to say something. And I'm telling you, PCR testing is the only proper way to diagnose COVID. That's fascinating. I mean, th this is a really good because there are so many I don't know if they're misconceptions, I guess, because it is true. Like you're saying, I mean, I remember hearing you could be positive. Sure. But you could have a cold, you know, like that doesn't necessarily mean you've got this. So that's kind of good to hear that that is accurate. Um, but then the cycling, like I remember when they were talking and Fauci was talking and all the people in the government and they they switched that cycle number. Right. At one point, wasn't it at, at the beginning, a higher level and then they dropped it if, if i'm remembering correctly i don't know what other labs use and i can't speak for them i can tell you the labs we use cycled up to 36 times um and most people wouldn't come up that high you know you would and you found a couple people that'd be like 30 they run two values for each patient right so if if you're a cop and you're, you're pissed off that you got a positive because i'm testing you weekly and you can't go to work now uh, and that had not anything to do with that that's you know their policy but you yeah. might call me and say hey I have no symptoms. And I'm like, okay, you're in the norm. And he, you know, argue with me a little bit. So I call the lab and say, what's this person's CT value? And they might say 32, 33, right? So that's two values for that person or 26, 27. We would see this every day because I would, I would call the lab and figure this out. And that, that cop might ask me for a, a, a confirmatory test. So they would come in the next day and lo and behold, again, they're positive, you know, just like, again, I said, here it is, it works in practice. And then that same cop might sneak into the testing center a week later while they're supposed to be isolated. And I see his name on the list of positives. I got a call a week later and I'm going, dude, stop testing. You're positive. Like you, 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 you can test positive on a PCR test for up to 30, up to uh, 90 days. The longest I've personally seen it in practice is 46 because we did this at the early uh, start of the pandemic. We had people who wanted to donate their blood for plasma uh, at the hospitals, but they would not accept them if, if they were negative. So you had a positive patient who was sick and you would test them weekly to see when it, when it got out of their system. By the time it got out of their system, when they were, then they're, by the way, they're shedding dead cells. They're not contagious after about 10 days. Uh, it's 14 in total. So but, uh, this is something to talk 14 about. I don't days, go around. 14 days contagious. So what you're so saying? I'm going around in circles. Let's 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 start with this. And I don't know when you have to go to break, Tanya, but it, yeah, so. we'll go to break in just a minute. So give us a little teaser and then we'll go to break and we'll come back and talk more about it. So viruses aren't living things. Viruses are like amino acids, either active or inactive. When they bind in your system, they are making copies upon copies upon copies, looking for the best version of themselves to survive. And they're mutating the moment they are in your system. Okay. The timeline of, of a virus, it is, is three to four days, three to five days to incubate. So you got to put that in perspective. By the time you come into my office not feeling well, you're about on day four, but a virus can only sustain in your system for up to 14 days. That's why we isolate you for 10. Four plus 10 is 14. You're at the end of the life gotcha. cycle. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about that after the break. This is fascinating because it's, you know, there's a way where actually after all this time, you can kind of have a better discussion about it, I think, because it, we're so far removed. You know, it's hard to have these discussions at the beginning. It's too, uh, too intense, but hang tight, everybody. We are going to take a quick commercial break. Um, we're so grateful for our sponsors. We have a handful of them. One of my favorites is Verve Spray Vitamins. And again, of course, I don't have it with me.
in front of me because it's in my purse, but it's about the size. This is my lip gloss. It's about this size and it's a spray bottle and you just spray it and it gets into your system very quickly because it's going into through your tongue and uh, into your bloodstream faster that way. And they're fantastic. You can, I keep them in my purse at all times. They've got zinc, a, one for cold, which has zinc and vitamin C. Um, they have a melatonin. My favorite is the energy one, which I use a few times a day and it really works. So hang tight, make sure you pick some up. They're very reasonable, less than $20. Uh, for one and it lasts for a month. So make sure you try them out and you can use our code and get a discount. All right. We will be right back. Good morning, everybody. Coffee Talk with Esther here. I want to talk to you about something fantastic. These sprays. Oh my gosh. You have to check them out. They're called Verve Spray Vitamins. And if you wake up and you don't feel well, you take one of these guys, you do eight squirts, and you will be back to normal in less than 24 hours. It's pretty crazy. They have one for skinny if you wanna lose weight. It's vitamin B5. Again, five squirts. I'm gonna show you how easy. You open it like this. How easy is that? They taste great. There's nothing bad in them. You guys have to check these out. And you can get a discount with our code B4A or Tanya Joy. They've got them in all sorts. They've got your daily vitamins. They've got the skinny. They even have a melatonin one that will help put you to sleep. Check them out now. You are going to love them. Government-induced inflation, taxes, rising interest rates, political instability. All of these can have a crushing effect on our investments, often causing the stock market to go down. But they can also cause gold and silver to go up. Hi, this is Dr. Kirk Elliott. Buy gold, buy silver, buy now, but buyer beware. Precious metals companies are not created equal. As a PhD economist, I have been in the financial, economic, and precious metals business for three decades. The philosophy of my firm is people over profit. I encourage you to read my bio to learn more about me at kirkelliottphd.com. Now is the time to own physical metals in an IRA, 401k, and outside of a retirement plan. Don't let the government destroy your hard-earned assets any longer. Call 720-605-3900 or visit KirkElliottPhD.com. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a moth in the gym, add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom feel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. 
All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you also saw um, some of our other sponsors. One of the guys that I love is Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. And yes, he's he's a two time doctor. Um, and uh, sorry, I've got something in my eye. He is a two time uh, Ph.D., but he is the best when it comes to gold and silver. I highly recommend him. Y'all, we're living in crazy days. So make sure you get your investments. We're at the end of the year. You can roll over your IRAs. You can roll over certain things. Make sure you put your investments, get your like end of year donations and investments in. So check him out as well. Remember again, you can watch us every day. Well, we're going to be switching. So I shouldn't say that, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 414 on Rumble, Clout Hub, and all podcast streaming. And then you can also find us over on Blessed News Network. All right, this is a fascinating discussion. Let's bring Michael back in. Welcome back. Um, this is fascinating because what you were saying before the break about the PCR testings, I think this is going to really wake a lot of people up because I know in this movement, especially the Patriot movement, people hate those things. You know, they think they're bogus. They have they don't have any real good impression of them. They, uh, you know, I know my friend and I will, we'll talk about like different people we know and they're like, they got tested again and now they're positive and they're not sick. And I'm like, why would you go? You know, my whole big thing is if you're sick, take something to feel better. And like, why does it matter? You know, that's, that's my thing on it. Um, but you were starting to talk about before the break, um, about, oh, now my, my brain is dead after all of that break. Okay. Um, Language of the pandemic. Yes. Let's go into that farther. And I want you to go in deeper into your book as well as we get through this, because I love the title, Fauci's Fiction. So, you know, kind of how you got to that and, and what the big hot topics of that are as well. Sure. Well, let's talk about that. So the, the book itself is, is not about Anthony Fauci. This book is about the true data on COVID, why he gets the brunt of this cover, which I think is cool, by the way. Everybody's buying this for Christmas. So I know this shows uh, uh, the 22nd. I know it's going to be tough, but you can get it for New Year's if you want for, for somebody. Uh, the cover was a, uh, a thought in my head. I was, I, was, I was talking to my fiance and I'm like, you know, when I'm writing this book, I'm going, all I see is, is Anthony Fauci at the podium trying to deliver this message and they're just not quite saying uh, the truth. They're not quite saying everything. Leaving stuff in and out of a conversation is, is the same as lying to the public. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that, you know, we're talking about this now. I was talking about this three years ago. Everything that's in this book, 90% of what's in this book, uh, I've been telling every single one of my patients. We were just very, very busy at that time and I didn't have time to write the book. Then I started writing it. My dad passed away in the middle of it. Uh, and, you know, it takes a lot to get a book published and out. So uh, I would have loved to have released it sooner. But every single one of my patients knew this, what's in this book. Uh, I had done a lot of radio at the time. I was doing a couple interviews a week in Key West when I was down there. Uh, but no one would really listen. You know, it, they would look at you and say, why are you the only one saying this? Because every other media outlet was talking about doom and gloom and spreading. Uh, I don't want to say spreading lies. I don't think they were very informed. And that's the, the problem here. You know, it, Fauci gets the, br the brunt of the book cover for himself, for Dr. Burks, for Walensky at the CDC. Uh, they they just weren't telling the public everything that the public should have known. Uh, so if you read this book, you'll you'll really understand it in totality and hopefully be prepared for the next one. Because as we the way we sit right now, I, I, if we had this one more time, uh, if this were to happen again, I think we would handle it the exact same way. Unfortunately, I was just going to ask you. I mean, with what's going on now in China with this pneumonia outbreak, which I think is probably more side effects from the vaccines and all the stuff that they've put in people. Um, but it definitely opens your eyes to like, what the heck are they planning? We know that they're planning on doing something again. 
Well, I wouldn't put it past, I wouldn't put, you know, anything past anybody at this point. You couldn't, you know, <laughs> now you could tell me, you know, the sky's purple. And I'm like, okay, maybe at this point, you know, it there's just be, so yeah. much. Right. But uh, I, what we're seeing in China, though, is it's a it's something that's been around. It's a mycoplasma. It's been around. It's an intercellular bacteria that's been in existence for a long time. This is not something new. It's not novel. And we, get, we right. should talk about the novelty of COVID and why that was so you know detrimental at first. But uh, this is a mycoplasma. It's very treatable. The one thing it's resistant against is, is azithromycin, which is a Z-pack, which is one of the more common um, antibiotics given. Your kids usually get either Augmentin uh, the, at, at a young uh -huh. age. But after 10, you know, azithromycin becomes like, you know, it, it's very common. Uh, it, it's resistant to that, but it is very treatable with other antibiotics and I wouldn't worry too much. The pneumonia you're seeing, you can get that with any upper respiratory infection when it, when the lung starts to fill with fluid, whether it's singular or bilateral, you're going to get those white particles, those white mm -hmm. patches on an x-ray. Um, but again, this is very treatable. Unbelievable. And, and I'm going to be curious if they, I mean, like I said here, I don't know if you, are you seeing by you the mask mandates coming back? Yeah, it's funny you said that. I heard that in your open, and uh, one of the a couple of the hospitals here are doing that now. And I'm shaking my head because it, you listen to the infectious disease people come up with these protocols, and you wonder how they got any training in infectious disease whatsoever. They're doing rapid tests, rapid tests, which I just you know we just talked about. They don't work. This is stupid. I mean, they're doing rapid tests on nurses before they go into a COVID room because they want to prove that. Uh, the the folks that are if they caught COVID, it wasn't from that room. That makes no sense. There's a three to five day incubation period. Plus, they're mandating the masks. Uh, they they don't understand how masks work. We don't wear masks for viruses, people. Okay. If if you haven't heard, and I'm sure you've heard this story before, but we've never ever in my lifetime we never recommended them. We never mandated them in any of my offices. Uh, that was the second stupidest thing I've ever seen in my career. Um, and, and there's reasons for that. It doesn't help. It actually hinders. Mm -hmm. uh, I always demonstrate that with my viral, with my uh, vape pen. And you have to understand uh, air fluidity and particle size. Any particle less than 0.25 microns, okay, does not settle by gravity. It's too small. So it, it, it floats around. You can see that when you kind of do that with a vape pen. Mm -hmm. Now, if you keep in mind, you could fit 500 million particles uh, of COVID particles on a pinhead. So when you have somebody symptomatic in a room, you're literally walking through millions and billions of particles. It only takes one live particle to infect you. All right. So those surgical masks that you're wearing, they're not duct taped to your face. You're not even right. using the filter, which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a three micron filter for a 0.1 micron uh, COVID particle. So it's doing zero, but you're not using the filter. You're breathing through the path of least resistance. Air takes the path of least resistance and you create kind of a Venturi effect if you're wearing a mask. Same thing with the N95s. Those are the most effective for uh, something like that. But the momentary lapse where you go to scratch your nose, you've rendered it useless uh, right. at that moment. So you're doing nothing. But what we did see, Tanya, was a lot of people coming back with, like I said, staph infections from wearing those masks yes. all day. You're not using a sterile while you're putting it in your pocket. It's going to your car. It's hanging on yeah. your... It's this is the second dumbest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. The, the first dumbest Hanging thing on the car. That's the big one. That's the big one. I see them all the time. Like it's some like uh, what do they call the you know like the things you'd put on the car? The air fresheners, uh, right? Yes, I'm like, what in the world? And then you're gonna grab that and put it on after it's been sitting in. Oh my god! I, I, I say this. The, I don't mean to be mean, but I do say this in my book. My a friend of mine mentions that the average IQ in this country is 100. Uh, so if you think about that, half the population has an IQ of less than 100. And you can see them now. They're wearing masks outside. They have them hanging yeah. from their cars. 
it's really scary because we should be educating the public. You know, if you had somebody like me going on national TV for a, a half hour just to disseminate some of this information early on during the pandemic, we wouldn't have went through this exercise. There's so much to unpack here. It's not just, you know, mass and vaccines. Now we're talking about the suicide rate, kids out of school, right. the learning curve, what we did, you know, psychologically to this country, to the world, uh, you know, nonetheless, it is really scary what we did and how many, how many people went along with this nonsense? Oh my gosh, uh, and, I know. Just have a little, I and mean, the, even the, now how many are doing it again? Like I said, we just had it go back into effect yesterday at some of our local hospitals and, um, I had friends calling me right away when they got the email on Friday wondering, well, what do we do now? And I'm like, what do you do? You don't comply. I mean, didn't yeah. we already go through this once? Like, uh, you know, we, you don't, you just say no, you just say no, you but, say, but it's a no, risk. But it's I a risk. You also need you know, to call, call and write the administrators of those hospitals and let them know how, how ridiculous this is and tell them yeah. you don't trust their opinion on just about anything. If they can't figure out science, the science is out there. You know, the right. CDC had three studies up to show mass work. And I think one was like self-reported 183 seamen on a boat talking about if they caught COVID or not. And if they were, I mean, come on, that is not real science. You know, it's just like I point out in my book where we had this six foot rule, right? Uh, stay away six feet. Dr. Lydia Baruba from MIT did a study on breathing in a room. Okay. Just breathing high speed cameras. 27.2 feet was the spread. Meanwhile, you know, you get Fauci on TV six feet. Now, don't get me wrong. A little separation is good when you have a novel, you know, virus going around. You don't know what it's going to do. But in two months of testing, in just two months, I want to say a little bit less. We're looking at ourselves in the office because we're we had a couple hundred patients at that point. Didn't lose anybody. Nobody's getting sick. Nobody's going to the hospital. We're watching people recover within two or three days, and they're asking me, "What do I do now?" So I came up with the line, "Take a cruise. They're cheap." Because we had you know, we had to make a joke. They were or so cheap. Yeah, exactly. But, but in two months, we realized this isn't this is not what you know we were seeing doom and gloom. And don't get me wrong, COVID is very real. I'm not saying it's not. If you are in the pool of population that can die in the next five years, a cold can bring you down, a flu can bring you down, COVID can bring you down. Okay, keep your, your immune system healthy, sleep, eat well, take vitamins. You know that stuff's important because the folks that fought this off when they had that low viral load and it didn't replicate to the point of destroying the mitochondria of their cells, they did very well. Elderly folks. In the beginning with a novel virus, uh, you don't know what to do. And the novelty of that, when you don't have any memory cells to it, can be detrimental. But the biggest thing that we did that was wrong in the beginning was we didn't know how to treat it. We were venting people too early. Right. We were using flu protocol, which flares this up. And people didn't understand that. But we figured it out relatively quickly. And still, uh, maybe we would have went through this exercise for two months, but not for almost three years. That's Incredible. No, and not to try and push it again. I think the the part that's so frustrating, at least to me about this, is it's so political. It's it's not um it's one thing to have a virus that, you know, whatever. It, it, it's also, and I will throw this in, the fact that a virus could hit every single country, every single area, everywhere around the world at one time, all of a sudden, everybody's that's just impossible. I mean, the, the the probability of that is so minute that to me was really alarming. I don't I don't want to you know disagree with you publicly, but I mean, if you if you understand how, you know, no, it's okay because air travel. We didn't. I don't think we realized how this thing came out. It looks like in October of of twenty nineteen. Right. We didn't really start 
noticing this until December. And then it was, it was January when the lockdowns came and then it was March 16th March. when we yeah. started testing for it. So when we started testing for most doctors, most facilities don't do what we do. They don't have respiratory pathogen panels. There's a few, but not many. Believe me, most of the people are doing rapid tests for different things. They don't understand uh, immunology. So we were prepared out the gate here, but it was months before we started testing and actually getting real data into our into our archives to figure out what was what. So when you have something floating around that we're not talking about, airplanes are the easiest way to spread this thing. And, you know, and by the way, the R naught of COVID is very high. It's a little higher than uh, the flu. So it spreads quicker. So for every one person that is infected, it's going to affect more people than it does the flu. So when you have people traveling on airplanes and kids in school, that's how that's how you get the flu season. It's mostly kids right. in schools sure. that are the ones incubating this thing or yeah. back and forth, bringing it home to mom and dad and grandma. Exactly. Um, but it can spread and it and it can get worldwide. You know, you look at the amount of air travel we have, Tanya. It, it's just a, yeah. it's just kind of the way things work. You have to catch these things really early. Um, there are some measures you can take, but uh, you know, it, you, we were pretty much done by December, January. It had spread. It had it had circled the world. And and at this point, you know, four years in, I love when people tell me they never had COVID. I'm like, the likelihood you've had it multiple times at this point is very yeah. very high. But you you never know it. Right. Other than when I had it, I had it in January of 21. No, December. Um, so right before 2021, I guess. And um, I only knew I had it because of the headache. I mean, I was sick. I ended up having the, you know, all the yucky stuff after that, but it was the headache that I went, oh yeah, this is different. But I will say I've, I have a, a weakened immune system. So when I get sick with something, my symptoms are much more extreme than a, another person um, just because my immune system is very, very weak. Don't discount that though. I mean, you know, we learned a lot and that's kind of the, the point of like, you know, I don't write about it in the book, but we, we talk about it a lot now on TVs. Don't discount the amount of science we learned from COVID. It, just because your immune system is weakened or you have an autoimmune disease, there's people that tell me, oh, I would know if I was sick. And, 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 and still the answer is no, you know, we've learned so much. We, we, the problem is we, we kind of go back to that old school thought process of like, you know, you're sick, go to the doctors, you know, stay away from people, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we've learned so much now about viruses and how they transmit. We should really be applying that knowledge and we're not. And mm -hmm. I've seen people who have diminished immune systems, uh, who are, who get over like, you know, nothing. It kind yeah. of, it, it could depend I had on it three days. I mean, it was three days and, but I took, I, I, I had ivermectin and the stuff to take. So as soon as I knew that I was sick, I started that and I was sick three, four days. I had a cough for a while, but I have that. Like I said, if I have a bronchitis, my cough lasts a little bit longer because my immune system is, is just a little, it takes a little longer to fight it, yeah. but it was not any, I mean, I had had pneumonia and bronchial type things in the past mm -hmm. that were worse than what COVID was for me. You know sure. what I mean? You want to talk about the ivermectin? Cause I get asked a lot about that. Sure. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting from my perspective because we didn't use it as a practice, but I had a practice down next to me in Florida who used it religiously. So we looked at their data and we compared Interesting, yeah. And I took it the second time I had COVID. Um, I don't, first of all, I think you should, every doctor has the ability to practice it. That's what medicine is, is practice, right? You try new things, you see what works. Right. And every doctor should have the ability to try whatever they thought was going to help their patients, period. 
for for the government and the media to try to you know demonize these things was 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 another sick thing that I saw during this pandemic, which makes you wonder what's going on. Right. However, in practice with ivermectin, uh, I would see people. And I, like I said, I took it the second time I had it. Uh, I would see patients, and I would talk to the other the other physicians uh, at the other practice that were using this on every single patient. The timelines right. were the same, and this is the kind of the funny part. The timelines uh, for like, recovery, you mean? Yeah, it was it was kind of funny because people some people will tell me today they took ivermectin and they recovered in two days, and I'll tell them that most my, my patients took vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc, and most of them recovered in two days. So it's kind of funny. I don't know if there's a placebo effect going on with that. It's an antiviral. It was approved for human use in 1987. I'm quite tired of everybody talking about it as it's a, a horse medication. It's not. Right. It's not. Uh, yeah. You know, I laugh at people that don't understand their history, but they hear a sound bite and they want to latch onto it. That's kind of what I deal with every day now. Um, but I didn't really see any appreciable value in, in taking it. So the folks that took it and said they were fine. I'm like, yeah, my patients were fine too. But they didn't take it. So I don't, my, the, the verdict is still out on ivermectin, but I will tell you that we never use it and my patients are all fine. Well, you know, and the interesting thing is, so I had gotten sick, um, started to feel sick, right. With some symptoms, maybe six months or seven months before, like I really knew because the, the time I really, I never got, well, I've been tested once, but that was because I had to be on set for something, but I hadn't, I had never tested, you know, other than that, I just knew I'm sick. I lost my taste. I had a headache. I'm, I know that this is COVID that time I took ivermectin, but before that I had been sick, not anything like that, a little bit of a headache. I didn't have ivermectin. So I made quercetin like at home, like, you know, just took the, the oranges and I up my zinc and I up my vitamin C and it did it. It went away within 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've seen both, both ways. I take vitamins every day. I take uh, an extra C every day. You know, I try uh-huh. to keep my immune system up to par so that if something, I think at this point, I, I, I have conversations like this on a plane, you know, cause I'm if somebody will, whatever, I'll start talking about COVID or somebody will recognize me or I'll give them a book or whatever it is. Yeah. And I'll, I'll look at the person next to me. I'll say, you realize like half the people on this plane right now are fighting off a bacteria or a viral yeah. infection. They just don't know it. It's so minute yeah. their system, but we're fighting off stuff every day. If you're run down, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating right. You're overweight, whatever it is, you're, you know, you don't have a healthy immune system. Your, your co, you know, comorbidities are a big thing. Diabetics do the worst with just about everything in life. Um, you're more susceptible, just like when you're elderly. So, you know, and and what you said before is a great point because people don't think that now. I had a woman the other day, and she was going to a party. I had to call her and tell her she had COVID. And she goes, oh, I was hoping it was just a cold. And I said, why? She goes, because I have this party to go to. I said, but if you had the cold, you shouldn't have went to the party. Right. Like we've forgot, we've, we've suspended we've reality. Lost, you- I know we have. Like, I remember when, when growing up, if you're sick, you lay on the couch with some soup and you watch TV for a few days. You don't go out. You don't, you just stay home and you rest. Really. The big thing is staying home to rest. So your body can recover. It is. I think that our world got to such a place where, you know, you can't skip work. I mean, you know, and that was the reality. You, you don't, I mean, I remember going to work sick because sure. God forbid you miss work, you know, and, and whereas now the one, the, the one I would say somewhat good thing, and there's a few good things obviously that have come out of all this, but one of them is that work, especially corporate environments, you've got a little bit of a headache, go home, stay home, take five days, take 10 to help. There's no questions asked. There's no, and that's how we should have maintained or just common sense, like good grief. I used to hate when my kids were little, especially someone would come over and their kids sick. And I'm like, what the heck? 
why would you come over? You know, like just stay home. I don't want to get sick, you know, whether it's a cold or a flu or whatever it is, it is. We kind of lost a lot of common sense. Where can people find the book? It's coming out, but where can they um, get it? It's available everywhere. Uh, Amazon.com is the easiest place. And I will tell you that we are getting a lot of censorship. You know, I do interviews like this. I did one in the UK. It was on YouTube. It got pulled down within three minutes, just talking about the science of testing. It's amazing when they, when you say COVID or Fauci, uh, it's available everywhere though. And you can pick it up. It's a great, like I said, it's a great Christmas gift. You will learn so much in this book that it will, it will change your mind because it will give you the 30,000 foot view of what we just went through. And we didn't even touch on the vaccines, but, uh, right. you know, this, but it, yeah, I would lot. be so curious. Well, you know, we've got still some, a few minutes, so let's talk. Can you, can you touch on the sure. vaccines a little bit? Yeah. Again, we didn't recommend them because, you know, we didn't think we thought there was going to be issues. We didn't recommend them because they don't, they don't work. Um, they give you 120 day antibody response. That's what we see in practice. We also see the same antibody response average from a natural infection, except what you get from natural infection, what's called B and T lymphocytes. Those are memory cells. So your B cells, your memory cells, your T cells, your helper cells, there's about 27 proteins inside the capsium of that virus. Uh, when you get COVID naturally, you're getting memory cells to all the proteins inside the capsium. However, when you are getting the vaccine, you're getting memory to the spike protein, which changes all the time. So as you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, eventually that copy will burn out. It will become unrecognizable, but some will develop this weird shape on the outside. That's the spike protein mutating. So uh -huh. the next time you get COVID, you're really developing symptoms to the spike protein. Um, and, and, and taking these vaccines, which we knew in the beginning, they weren't going to be 90% effective, 95, 77, whatever they were touting at the time. Uh, I had conversations with my immunologists and saying over time and the are not and how this thing, you know, mutates, you're going to need more than one of these. You're going to need at least one a year. It's going to be like a flu yeah. shot, yeah. which yeah. I think is kind of, if, if your patient, your, your audience would, uh, I think agree that it's kind of irresponsible to use the word vaccine to yeah. someone who's in their seventies, eighties, nineties, because they're thinking polio, lifetime immunity, hep B, right. 10 years, they're thinking long-term immunity. They're yeah. not thinking 120 day antibody response. And you see that in practice because, you know, in the beginning, Tanya, when I'm calling patients, it was quite stark. Every message was the same. When I'd call them and say, hey, you're positive. The first grouping would be like, I don't understand. I've been wearing a mask the whole time. You're kind of laughing really? And then, you know, a year later, you're calling this, the same grouping and they're, they're going, I don't understand. I've been fully vaccinated. Meanwhile, we had told our patients like, you don't need this thing. You don't want it's stupid. Why would I give you yeah. an untested uh, a mRNA vaccine for something that is completely survivable without treatment? And for something that uh, we know from calling all these patients who are positive doesn't work. It, it, we saw an average of 120 day antibody response. We also have blood tests to prove that because we did that on groupings of patients. I have more data on this thing than anybody. And it's kind of crazy that people want to discount that, you know, they'll come to you and say, well, you're, you're not an MD, you're a research. Doctor. So what? I manage medical staff. This is what we do. I research this stuff. Like who cares? You know, people don't get it. The medical community is who had this wrong in the first place. Why would yeah. you take your advice from the CDC or a medical practitioner? Why would you get vaccine advice from a cardiologist who's never treated, tested for COVID in the first place, but they're getting their perspective from the, the CDC recommends it. So you look at it and say, yeah, okay, I'll reckon your best answer folks is to say, I don't know, you know, and I, I talk about that in my office all the time. We don't do oncology. So when you come to us and ask us a cancer question, we're going to refer you to somebody who does that for a living. Um, yeah. None of these folks should have been recommending these vaccines. Now what we're seeing are joint issues, heart issues. We're seeing things, we're seeing things like cancer. We're seeing uh, an yeah. abundance of cancer in young people, especially lymphoma. Yeah. 
aggressive cancers, things that have not we've never seen before as a medical community. Right. And the, the little things that we see in our office, the joint issues, the heart issues are directly attributable to the shots because some of these patients have studies six months before the shot and they were completely fine. And now we find it on an incidental finding six months after a shot. Now, that's kind of old news. Uh, and I will be writing a second book, um, working with a couple doctors now, um, working title vaccine fiction, because there's another story to tell about that and VAERS reporting. Th yeah. This thing, look, the VAERS is huge. Yeah. I applaud you. I applaud every host that does this because there is a, a, a national conversation that needs to be had still on this. Uh, everybody's moved on to, you know, Israel, this thing, whatever's yeah. going on Ukraine. It doesn't, uh, this stuff we need to talk. We locked the entire world down and disrupted lives and businesses for yeah. three years. And, so and the three years that's going to impact generations. I mean, the kids, the families, I lost family members from both the vaccine and the remdesivir. You know, my kids lost, you know, major years of school that they, you know, it, it this is the, the effects, the long-term effects are devastating. And I don't even think we've begun to see, uh, what really this is going to do to our, our world and to our individuals. It's shocking. Well, when you get to that, you'll have to come back and we'll talk more about it um, because this is fascinating. People, let everybody know where they can find you. I know I've been putting your website up, which is Michael J. Schwartz. For those of you that are podcasting, listening, uh, .com. You can get the book, Fauci's Fiction, on Amazon.com. You can also check the show notes because we will have the links for all of these there as well. But where else can people find you or follow you? Uh, you can find you, our office is mywellnessexpress.com. You could also go to fauci'sfiction.com. And the book is available everywhere. If you Google Fauci's Fiction book, you will see it. But uh, Amazon's the easiest place to get it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. no. Don't forget to Mike's Live. Two Mike's Live. That's right. And listen to and, uh, and Two Mike's Live. My, 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 uh, and you're on all podcasts? We're on Rumble for, for Two Mike's Live every Monday. Uh, my podcast is Mike's Right Podcast. Two Mike's Live is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 p.m. live. And we uh, we do, you know, the 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 back and forth with our audience. Same type of thing. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. Hang tight, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember um, to share this show. And real quick, you know, we've been ending every show with a scripture. Today's scripture is John 8, 32. And it is then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I thought that was kind of appropriate for our show today. Thanks again for watching. Remember, you can find out more about me and the show at tanyajoy.tv. That's T-A-N-I-A-J-O-I.tv. And you can watch us, The Tanya Joy Show, on Rumble and all streaming devices. And please don't forget to share this to your friends and family. God bless you. We're getting close to Christmas. So this may, I think, be our last show before Christmas. I, we will have a Christmas show. But have a very Merry Christmas. And we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Beauty for Ashes with Tanya Joy. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind be blessed and remember you were created for such a time as this.